Welcome to Pass the Outlet, episode 16. I'm your co-host, Michael Benjamin, joined as always by my wingman, Chris Patrick. Chris, how you living, man? How you doing tonight? Man, I'm doing great. Feeling good. It is prime time for basketball season. The NFL season's winding down. Just one more game left to go. And then after that, it's going to be all NBA, all college basketball. March is just around the corner. So I'm really excited. It's time to do the damn thing, man. I feel like we haven't had a pass the outlet in a minute. We got a lot to talk about, especially in the news of the NBA. But before we start, hopefully you guys are tapped in with us on Instagram at AZ underscore BSP. We're doing it again, folks. We're giving away Suns tickets. And this time I talked to Chris. I said, Chris, we got to do it big this time, right? And we're giving away Suns versus Lakers tickets, people. Oh, Row baby. 11, section 109. We sprinkled in a little parking pass for you as well. But we had an awesome showing last year with everybody you know, entering the contest, getting a lot of new followers and people who love the Valley getting tapped in with us. And that's what it's all about. We want to make sure we share the love to everybody. So Chris, man, do you think we picked the right game? Is this the, is this a good one to go with for the people this time? Man, a division rival. You get to see LeBron James, hopefully Anthony Davis, and both teams right now jockeying for position to make the playoffs, be in the right seed for the playoffs. So mm, I think I think we did. You know, we try and do at least one of these giveaways each season, and I think it could only grow from here the more support we get. So tell your friends all about it and make this thing happen. And Chris, let them know how they can enter this contest because they got to do it all, right? We're we're keeping a, we're keeping tabs on if everybody's following along. So. Tell them what they got to do to make sure that they're entered for this giveaway. Oh, absolutely. This is for the Valley Sports Plug family. So if you're here listening, you might have already done a few of these things, but we put you through it. We need you to subscribe to Valley Sports Plug on YouTube and direct message us a photo of you subscribed. You know, just screenshot right there on your phone. Send it to us. You can crop it up however you want to do it. Make sure you like the post on Instagram and tag three friends in the comments you know, then those three friends can enter and they can enter their friends. And it just gives everyone a better chance to get this pair of tickets. So you and a friend make a deal. You, if you win, you take me. If, if you win, I take you, you know, or I, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, two more things you got to do. You got to share the post on your story and tag AZ underscore VSP. And then make sure you follow us at AZ underscore VSP on Instagram. Of course, it's very heavy through Instagram, but make sure you're there. Send your friends and your family there, and you can win a pair of Suns versus Lakers tickets. Man, it's easy. I mean, especially if you entered last year, you probably already done most of the work for it. But man, we are just appreciative of everybody who's just along for the ride with us with Phoenix Suns basketball and for the love of the game, man. That's what it's about. So we wanted to give back. We appreciate all y'all. But we're just getting started, so we got to get the good stuff out of the way, I guess, for our sake. Make sure you guys are subscribed right here on YouTube. If you're watching this back or if you're listening on podcast services, make sure you drop a like and a follow for everything. Man, I can't say it enough. We're really excited to keep tapping in with Valley Sports with y'all. So with that being said, I think it's time to really start it off right. 
And Chris, we're at the midway point, a little bit past the midway point for the NBA season. Obviously, we know the All-Star game is coming up just in a couple of weeks. And we've seen the starters get announced. Sounds like reserves are going to go out tomorrow as well. So maybe we'll look into who we might be hoping for, at least from our end. But we got to start off with some mid-season awards, right? I mean, there's just been so many awesome, just really, really exciting moments to start this NBA season. I think the NBA is in one of the best spots that it's ever been, to be honest with you, Chris. And I think it's time to shed some light on some of those that have been shining above the rest. So we got a couple of them. We're going to talk about Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved, Rookie of the Year, our MVP choices, and also our choices for a first-team All-NBA. But, Chris, let's go ahead and start it off with probably the one that most people don't care about the most, which is Defensive Player of the Year. You know how it is, man. Some hoopers just don't want to do it on both sides. But I'll pass it over to you to start. And who you got your eye on and who you taking? How about that? Okay, yeah, I think I can answer all those questions, man. It's it's interesting because you you mentioned Defensive Player of the Year, and it's not the sexiest title. It's not MVP. It's not Sixth Man or Rookie of the Year, but very important, like you said, to play on that side of the ball. And I just I'm sitting here as we're starting to go into this topic and wondering what metrics do they use to even determine the Defensive Player of the Year. I, I think it's voted on, so everyone probably has their own set of criteria at who they're looking at, and. Mike, you know me as well as VSP Tallman, we keep an eye on the betting markets. So that's where I went to for a lot of these awards. And so I got some odds and some stats for you. So who some of the front runners are, I guess I'll just start with who the books are thinking. And then I'll tell you kind of what I'm thinking. I see on FanDuel at minus 280, Rudy Gobert. He's averaging 12.5 rebounds. 9.1 of those are defensive rebounds and 2.1 blocks. The Timberwolves are in first place in the West at 33 and 14, and he's having a big, you know, playing a big role in, in that success. It's crazy. So that's minus 280 for Rudy Gobert. Mike, what do you think the odds would be about for the next closest player? Ooh, it's got to be probably plus 500, right? I mean, and I haven't looked at the books, but that's kind of what I might be garnering if I'm thinking about it. Am I close? You know, you guessed better probably than I would. It's Chet Holmgren, and the, and the FanDuel Sportsbook has him at plus 1,000. Ooh. Okay. So you go from minus 280 to plus 1,000. So right now, Vegas thinks that Rudy Gobert is running away with this race. Chet Holmgren even being in the race as a rookie a rookie, is, is kind of crazy. And then just to rattle off an, a few more on this list, at plus 1,400 is OG Ananubi, who moved from Toronto to New York and has been finding success there. At plus 1,900, Anthony Davis, and plus 2,900, Bam Adebayo. So it's interesting. The the reigning uh, champ or the reigning player at this position and this award was Jaron Jackson Jr., correct? That's and correct. I didn't make enough notes to see where he's at on the list. I don't have it in front of me, but he's not. He's greater than plus 2,900 is all you need to know. So interesting to see as Memphis struggles his stats might struggle as well but then again like I'm saying so with with Rudy Gobert versus Chet Holmgren uh you know Rudy's 
the the rebounds offensive or i'm sorry defensive rebounds and the blocks i think are probably what they're looking at but chet has more blocks wemby has more blocks and all these guys are getting between seven you know six to ten rebounds per game obviously gobert at 12.5 is quite a bit more but yeah i'm like i think i don't i don't understand the rudy gobert thing quite as much as maybe i probably should but as far as looking at this list i'd like him or anthony davis both you have pictured in the graphic here but what about you you know, and I'm going to let the people know what my choice is of every category. Don't you worry about it. But Chris named some good people on the list that we got to make sure we give some honorable mentions to. First one to start, OG Ananobi. Like you said, the trade to the New York Knicks has been just a breath of fresh air for both parties. I would say for RJ Barrett as well. But I mean, the Knicks have exploded ever since he's come in. And he's a stellar defensive guy. We know this 1.8 steals per game, 1.1 blocks. Another maybe one that's not on the list that you said, but Jared Allen, man, he's been solid leading the Cavs to a top three defense this year, primarily without Evan Mobley, who's only played 22 games as well. And yes, we do have to say Anthony Davis. He's only missed three games this year, right? We're, we're not used to that, but 8.9 defensive rebounds a game, just monster on the block and 2.3 blocks. But like you said, yeah, right now I think it's between the two, Chet Holmgren and Rudy Gobert, just because both of those teams are really at the upper echelon when it comes to the Western Conference. I think Minnesota is technically in first, but the other day it was a three-way tie between them, the Thunder, and the Nuggets, all for the top spot. And I know Chet Holmgren is averaging more blocks, 2.6 comparative to 2.1 blocks for Rudy Gobert. But Chris, I think I still have to give it to Rudy Gobert He's, I mean, he's had some incredible seasons stat-wise, but like you said, the 9.1 defensive rebounds, that's what we're looking for when it comes to defensive player. Are you shutting down those second chance opportunities and those two plus blocks a game? The way that the Timberwolves are built, they basically are like teams are scared to attack inside because of Rudy Gobert. And it's led them to the number one defense in the league so far. So that's, I think, where those metrics are really coming from. So my choice is going to be Rudy Gobert right now. Not a bad bet. Minus 280. I mean, you got to invest a little, but what is that? Every For every dollar you bet, or no, for every $2.8 you bet, you get $1 back. So $2.80. I don't know why I can't talk. But yeah, Mike, Rudy Gobert seems to be the consensus there and not a bad pick at all. I mean, not the biggest chunk of change coming back to your pocket, but it is extra money, so <laughs> I would take it at the end of the day. All right, Rudy Gobert, not too bad. Let's go on to the next one. We got to go to the youngins of the group, the rookie of the year. Obviously, we got the three main guys on the graphic right here with Victor Wembanyama, Chet Holmgren, and Brandon Miller of the Charlotte Hornets. Chris, who's been catching your eye so far this year? Man, if I'm going to be honest, it's hard not to notice Victor Wembanyama and everything he's doing in San Antonio. I mean, 20.6 points per game on 46% field goal shooting, 10.1 rebounds and 3.1 blocks, leading the league, I believe. Now, I do give him a little bit of a grain of salt there, if you will, because the Spurs are 15th in the West. That means they're in last place in the West, their record at 10 and 37. And the only other guy, like I said, I think I said, there's a two-person race. It's Victor Wiminyama and Chet Holmgren. 
And Chet Holmgren, man, not doing too much worse. He's 16.7 points per game on 53% field goal shooting, 7.5 rebounds, and 2.6 blocks. So stats-wise, right behind Wemby, but the Thunder are leaps and bounds ahead of San Antonio. So I think that could speak to Chet's scoring impact there when you got to defer to guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander and others on that team who also get points. But Chet Holmgren getting it done at 53%, you know, that's what, four, five, seven percent better than Wemby is shooting so you put Chet on that San Antonio team and I bet he's going to be getting some pretty decent numbers as well uh it is interesting though because Chet got drafted the year before Wemby but obviously because the rules the way they are he got injured didn't play at all last season and so now this is technically his rookie season not the first time we've seen this but uh, I will also mention Mike it's interesting that when these two teams met last week I think it was Wednesday or Thursday OKC won that match 140 to 114. Chet had 17 points, nine rebounds, four assists, and Wemby had 24 points, 12 rebounds, four assists. So even in that head-to-head, Wemby had the more impressive stats. So I guess it's really up to the deciding bodies what they value more, the impact to the team overall with the stats or just the stats, because I'd say Chet's having a pretty big impact in Oklahoma City. Man, and that's the key, Chris. I think that's what where it gets hard for people to really break down these individual awards, right? Because if you really look at Wembenyama, he's leading the team in all major categories right now, either than assists, right? 20.6 points, 10.1 rebounds, 3.1 blocks. I mean, he's leading the league in blocks, but his efficiency is isn't where Chet is, right? Wemby's only shooting 46.5% from the field and he's under 30% from three which wasn't going to be the biggest part of the game of his game, but we knew it was something that he had, but it's the two man race. I know we know I'm going with Wembenyama at the end of the day. I do want to give some love to some other new guys in the league. Got to start in Miami with Hamey Hawkes jr. Might've said that wrong, but I don't care. <laughs> I mean, he was the backbone for that UCLA club for a number of years. He's a guy who I think he was a senior. Every couple of years, those kind of guys come out and you just think to yourself, yeah, you know what? He's going to be able to step in and be a contributor right away and be a good player for a unit. And it's showing with the Miami Heat, who have been struggling of recent, right? They lost to the Suns the other day and dropped their seventh in a row. But 13.5 points, four rebounds, three assists, 1.1 steals per game in about 30 minutes. He's fourth on the team in scoring. He's doing what he needs to for that Miami club. Other guy... Derek Lively from Dallas. You know, Chris, I don't love to shout out Dallas guys, but we got we real real recognize real at the end of the day, right? I mean, he has been a solid big man for them. He started 35 games, averaged just under 10 points, eight rebounds, and 1.4 blocks, shooting 74% from the field in just 26 minutes. He's been a great change of pace for them because we know Lucas still has to do it all for them. And then Brandon Miller, has he lived up to the hype so far? I don't think so, but Charlotte is still in that rebuild mode. They're uh, a ways away, right? 15.1 points, four rebounds, and 2.3 assists. Not much on the defensive end when it comes to stats, but Charlotte has been struggling for that. So in the grand scheme of things, I'm going with Wembenyama, Chris. Who are you going with? I think it's hard to disagree with that. I I think it's got to be Wembenyama. Just the the numbers he's putting up, the highlights he's getting. We expected them, him to get the attention coming in as the highly touted, uh, you know, draft prospect of the last 
20 years, maybe potentially. I, I haven't seen teams swoon over a player this much since maybe Zion, but obviously we saw how that worked out. Different stories, not going to go there, but it, it's funny, Mike, you mentioned, oh, is it, we decided on Jaime Jaquez Jr., the heat guard. Uh, I, I love talking about the betting odds and the stats, obviously, and he is right now on FanDuel at plus 30,000 to win rookie of the year. Um, much closer race between the other two. Chet Holmgren plus 200, Wembenyama minus 270. So I guess we're in lockstep there with the sports books as far as who our favorite is at this point, you know, I right about the midway point of the season. And you are muted, Mike. You are muted. I'm trying to share my screen. I couldn't unmute, but I was saying, so what you're saying is you can't put your money on Jaime Jaquez if you want to keep it in your pocket at the end of the day, but that's all right. Yeah. You know, maybe put a dollar on it. If you, if you're, if you're just wanting to have fun, I think what that'll win you 30, $300. I think that'll win you $300. $1 to win 300. Pretty good odds. Like Tom would say, if you're feeling frisky and risky, throw it on there. All right. Next one, we got most improved. Man, there's been a couple of different guys who have really stepped their games up this year. Obviously, the three that are showing on the graphic with Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese Maxey, and Al Shingun. But I got a couple of other ones, but I want to pass it over to you first, Chris. Who's caught your eye in this category so far this year? Oh, I mean, those guys in the graphic are are undisputable. Tyrese Maxey has increased his production over last year. Last year in 2023, averaged 20.3 points a game, 3.5 assists. This year has bumped that up to 25.7 points per game with 6.6 assists. So practically doubling his assist numbers and adding nearly six more points per game. Pretty impressive what he's able to do there alongside uh, Joel Embiid, of course. And Sangoon, of you know, you mentioned him as well, right up there. Those are the top two leaders as far as I've been hearing. Uh, he's at 14.8 points per game and nine rebounds last season in 2023, and this year up to 21.9 points per game and 9.2 rebounds. So I do really like Maxi for this award right now. And all the betting odds and favorites aside, I really think Grayson Allen has greatly improved his game. He's one of the best shooters in the league right now. I think leading the league in three-point shooting percentage. So what he's been able to do and filling in that role has been very impressive. And I honestly think he should be under consideration for most improved. But obviously, there's a lot of other guys that have improved more on paper than you can always see in the stat sheet. But what do you think, Mike? You're muted again. I was going to say, I feel like Tyrese Halliburton, yeah, he might be categorized for most improved, but he really started to jump on the map as soon as he went to the Indiana Pacers last year. So his stats have improved, but we have kind of known that he is an upper echelon player at this point, right? I mean, I love what you say with Tyrese Maxey, man. You think about it in year four, all his all he's done in the scoring production has bumped up every year. His first year, he averaged 8, then 17.5, then 20.3, and 25.7, like you said. A lot of that, obviously, right now has come with the departure of James Harden. But, I mean, 6.6 assists as well, running the show from a point guard position. He's been stellar for that Philadelphia team, who I believe is in third in the East. So, Or they're knocking on third. My apologies. But... <laughs> Al Shangoon, I like him. They're on the outside looking in right now in the West, though, right? They're in 11th. Uh, he leads the team with 21.9 points, 9.2 rebounds, 
also averaging 5.1 assists and 1.2 steals. I mean, plus seven points to the average. Really liked what the big man has done. My other honorable mention, I'll say, is Scotty Barnes. Now that Pascal Siakam has left, he's taken a step up. I mean, before Pascal left, but this season, he's really expanded his game as well. 20.3 points, 8.3 rebounds, and 5.7 assists. And he's a defensive monster. 1.3 steals and 1.5 blocks per game. But Chris, I don't know if my pick is going to come out of left field for you, but my pick for most improved so far at the midway point is Kobe White of the Chicago Bulls. He's third on the team with 18.8 points per game, which is up from 9.7 from last year. 4.7 rebounds, 5 assists. His field goal percentage and three-pointer up. He started every game in year five. I know a lot of people were wondering about him really getting that contract extension. But obviously, everything that's happened with Lonzo Ball and still not really knowing, everything's still up in the air with when he'll be able to be back. And now it's been how many years? Two and a half? Since he has really taken advantage of the opportunity and he's a great change of pace for guys like um, Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan and he adds that speed and can finish at the basket. So I'm going with Kobe White, Chris, but who are you going with? Ooh, Kobe White, that's so love, bro. Remember, former teammate of Mikhail Bridges in college. Um yeah, man, that's a great one. Kobe White could definitely be a dark horse to win this over those other two. I mentioned being at the top, Maxi and Sangoon. I think, though, I I think I might be crazy, but I think Tyrese Maxi is going to have a really good chance to take this. Joel Embiid is out again, injured. He's been in and out of the lineup over the past month or so, dealing with some nagging injuries. And I feel like the more time he's out, the more time Tyrese Maxi is going to have to step up and take on more of the scoring burden for the 76ers as well as being able to get those assists when Embiid's on the court. And even when he's not, uh, I, uh, so for my money, I'm going with Tyrese Maxey. I know that's picking the favorite or, you know, whatever, but I think he's the favorite for a reason, obviously. Yeah. You can't go wrong. Tyrese Maxey has been stellar for the Philadelphia 76ers for about three seasons now. So love to see those guys get the proper love that they deserve at the end of the day. But now, Chris, we're going into the big kahunas. We're going to go on to the MVP and the race that's going on right now. Is it a two-man, three-man, four-man? I mean, there's just a lot of stellar guys who can fill it up on a nightly basis. They're shown on the graphic right here. You got Jason Tatum, Nikola Jokic, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and, of course, Mr. 70-point, Joel Embiid. Unfortunately, now we have to add Mr. 73-point Luka Doncic into that list, but we'll leave him over there. But Chris, how are you feeling about this group so far, and who are you leaning towards? Yeah, it's crazy. I think MVP right now is probably the tightest race of all of them. It's really going to depend on player health, I think, more than anything, because of those guys you have in the graphic, they all seem to be able to do it night in and night out. Jason Tatum, it's been a tough year for the Celtics. Obviously, they're still real up high in the East, but they've lost a lot of games that they really shouldn't have even had to worry about. Nikola Jokic, his impact in Denver is, I mean, we saw it firsthand with when we met them in the playoffs. He's a walking triple-double. Any night he walks on the court, he can 
put you in the position to win with his performance, whether it's scoring the basket, getting the rebound or dishing out the assist. So honestly, I mean, I could stop right there. I think for my money, just to get it out of the way is Jokic. Honestly, I know he's already won it twice. They gave it to Embiid last year because you're not allowed to win it three years in a row, as as Mike said on our uh, recap recently. But Man, it's it's pretty uh pretty close. So Shea Gilgis Alexander, everything he's been doing for Oklahoma City has been absolutely incredible. That team being on top of the West again with no KD, no Russell Westbrook, no James Harden. It's the changing of a guard, the new generation of NBA superstars coming up. And Shea Gilgis, ew, excuse me, Shea Gilgis Alexander is definitely one of those guys. Um, but also Joel Embiid. I think, like I said though, his health could be a concern. Uh, we can talk about Tyrese Halliburton and his gripe with the 65 games rule for winning an NBA award. If Embiid finds himself out of the lineup for an extended period of time with an injury, he might even not he might not even be in contention just based off that rule. Um, but Mike, before I uh, pick your brain on what you're thinking for MVP, I also have to mention, of course, like I keep mentioning the betting odds, our hometown boy Devin Booker on FanDuel Sportsbook is at plus. 2000 i'm sorry plus 21,000 oh it was such a big number i couldn't pronounce it plus 21,000 so uh but he's a candidate he's on there you can bet for him so i guess that means he's in the running right but mike what do you think Ooh, i mean maybe that could be one if he has a stellar second half that you could sprinkle some little extra dough on i wouldn't hate doing that Uh, i mean yeah chris the joker's always going to be in contention just from the game-changing ability he has in every aspect of the game man like his numbers aren't where they have been in seasons past but like you said he's almost averaging a triple double again at 26.3 points 12.1 rebounds and nine assists on 58 percent shooting from the floor 36 percent from three as well for a seven footer to shoot 36 percent, i'd say you're doing something right uh, jason tatum is at the bottom of my list i know like you said the celtics are first in the east they are 22 and 2 at home which is crazy but that team is built out pretty well and they work together pretty good which is why they're at the top uh yeah i guess i'll give another honorable mention to Giannis. i mean they just had their coach get fired but they're second in the east and he's been a monster this year again. 31 points, 11.7 rebounds, 6.2 assists from Giannis. As well as the defensive stats, 1.3 steals and 1.1 blocks. But Chris, for me, it comes down to the two guys that you can see on the screen. It comes down to Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Joel Embiid. Right now, man, it's hard to go against Joel just with the impact that he's having from a scoring standpoint. I mean, leading the league, obviously, with 36 points. But 11.4 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 1.1 steals, and 1.8 blocks. So he's doing it on both sides. But like you said, he's already missed 12 games. And the threshold is 65 games to be played. Like, he might not make it. So if that's the case, I got to go with SGA, man. I mean, this was a trajectory we kind of saw after their playoff performance last year. But... 31.3 points, 5.6 rebounds, 6.4 assists, and 2.2 steals, leading the league in steals, man. One game back from first, like we said as well. That's where I'm at right now in the MVP race. And you know me, if I had a vote, I'm going with SGA no matter what. I don't even care if it's really Joel because that man was 
a fantasy darling for me for years and years. Chris, you already know this. Oh, yeah, you got to reap the spoils of his performances. And you bring up a good point there with Jokic already missing that much time. What is that that math on 65 to 82? 17 games you can miss? Yeah, for Joel Embiid, yeah. So Joel's missed 12. So he's he, can only 12. Miss, he can only miss five more games. Five more, yeah. I don't know about that then. He might be on the outside looking in. Uh, Jokic, Jokic missed some time, though, hasn't he? Uh, I I'm not too sure. I don't think he's missed as much time, obviously. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I know uh, Jamal Murray was in and out again, but regardless, I think that's got to be, you know, coming down to being a two or three person race between those guys we mentioned. But Shea Gilgis, Alexander, not not a bad pick at all when he's putting up numbers like that in the scoring column. It's just hard hard to go against Jokic, but it could be that bias of he's already won it twice. Let's get a, let's get a guard in here. It's been a big international guy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. So the last one we had, wanted to have a little bit of fun with this one. I want to know who your five guys would be if you were to choose a first-team All-NBA right now. <laughs> we got everybody from old All-Star games. You can see on the screen Devin Booker in that old Kobe Bryant GG uh, tribute jacket. Got KD hoisting one of his first All-Star game MVPs. Brad Beal in the blue with the cornrows. Man, that was a long time ago. And then obviously the captains, LeBron and Giannis. But who you got for first team all NBA so far, Chris? Oof. It's how could it not be mostly those guys we mentioned talking about MVP? And it's funny how close those coincide with each other. So right off the bat, obviously, Nicole Jokic, Shea Gilders Alexander got to be at the top of that list. Joel Embiid, if the season ended today, he would be in my all NBA first team. So then that just leaves two other slots. Who do you put in there? And it's hard not to be biased and want to pick one of our hometown guys in Booker or Kevin Durant. But when you really look at the stats and the numbers that are being put up and the impact that they have for their team, I think another guy, another guard that needs to be on this first NBA all team for me at this point in the season is Luka Doncic. Man, as a Suns fan, it's it's hard, right? Because we don't like that guy very much. And it's Kind of simmered down a little bit, I think. This is a whole different team than the one that swept us, or that the one that got swept out of the playoffs. Or not swept, I'm sorry, but bumped out of the playoffs by the Dallas Mavericks. And so that bad blood might not really be there. I know people want to make a big deal about Booker and Luka Doncic, but they have more of a competitive rivalry than I think a personal one. I don't think either of them hates the other. And you're starting to see that a little bit as they kind of laugh it off and just play their game and they both play hard. So I respect that. So Luka Doncic is the fourth and then fifth is kind of, kind of up in the air a little bit for me. I like what Giannis is doing. Kind of. I don't love his game. Honestly, I don't. But when you look at the stats and you're being objective, the Milwaukee Bucks are not the same team when Giannis isn't playing. Uh, another guy I think might earn an honorable mention, Anthony Davis. It's crazy that you said he only missed three games this season. That just doesn't seem right. I, I wanted to double check that. It, having Anthony Davis be healthy for the majority of a season is just so foreign. And I mean, good for him, right? I, I guess the Lakers aren't world beaters at this point. LeBron is, I don't know. He, some nights he's not showing his age. Sometimes he kind of is, but yeah, I think for me, it's got to be, if I had to narrow it down, Jokic, Gilgis Alexander, Doncic, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. Yeah, that's a great list. Can't go wrong. Not going to give you any shade for that at all. 
So when I built this list, I built it out from the five positions, right? So unfortunately, I couldn't go Jokic and Joel Embiid in, in the same way. Yeah, this is just from my perspective, right? So obviously, center, I went with Joel. The front court, I I had to go with Luca, man. I mean, he leads his team in every category, Chris. 34.7 points, 8.6 rebounds, 9.6 assists, 1.4 steals. I mean, Kyrie has missed 13 more games than him this year. And he just has had to do it by himself once again because the Dallas Mavericks don't know how to properly build out their roster for some reason around such a superstar like that. But that's fine. That's good for us at the end of the day, right? Uh, SGA, obviously. You know, I say that he's second on my MVP account. There's no way I can leave him off this first NBA all team, whatever. Totally said that wrong, but I don't give a shite. And then Jason Tatum. Yeah, I put him there at the three. And then I went homer, Chris. I put Kevin Durant at the four because <laughs> he's really helped keep this team afloat to start this season. And the numbers just back it up. It's not where Giannis is, right? I, I totally understand that. But 29.3 points, 6.4 rebounds, 5.7 assists, and 1.3 blocks. Kevin Durant's been doing it on both ends for us. He's been playing heavy minutes. I had to show him love. So he's on my list for the first team All-NBA, Chris. What do you think? Not bad. Not bad. I, I like that you broke it down by position. That probably would have been smarter. I think I was thinking kind of broadly of like, um, you know, Luca guard, Shea Gildas Alexander guard. I guess, yeah, I guess when you put uh, Embiid and Jokic, they're both centers when it comes down to it. But your list, man, that's pretty solid. Kevin Durant, it's interesting that he's not mentioned more in list because what he's been doing, being the most consistent player on the Suns team as far as being available and his performance night in and night out. He's sometimes he's only going to have 13, 14, 15 points, but those are the nights where Devin Booker's putting up 40, 50 points versus other nights when KD's the one scoring 40 points and Devin Booker only has 15, 16. That's, that's the beautiful part of the Suns, man. But uh, overall, Mike, that's a solid list. It's hard to disagree with that. Well, I appreciate it, man. And for the people listening back or watching back, let us know. Drop a comment. Did we get anything wrong? Did we miss anybody? Any honorable mentions we missed? Uh, I'll give honorable mention to Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, that guy's been playing out of his mind this year as well and is a blossoming superstar in this league. But make sure you guys stay tapped in and, and keep letting us know what you think. So I think it's time to move on, Chris. Obviously, we handed out the hardware. We're past the midseason point. And the midseason point, what comes along with it? The NBA All-Star Game. And this year, the All-Star Weekend, it's the 73rd NBA All-Star Game already. Chris, crazy how time flies. But it's in Indianapolis, Indiana this year from February 16th to 18th. Chris, I'll just ask you this, man. Are you ready for the uh, All-Star Weekend to come back to Phoenix? Because it seems like it's been forever, man. Yeah, it really, it really has. And you'd think with the renovations they made at the stadium recently, like that could be an enticing factor. I, I'd love to have All-Star Weekend back here. It's crazy that this is two weeks away and we're, I guess we're right at about the halfway season because the All-Star break is even a little after the halfway mark, technically. So 
I'm just, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's a great time to get a little rest, have an extra long fantasy basketball two weeks, uh, get some, some points back up on the board, have a fighting chance, but no, um, I, I, I love the skills day, like the day before the slam dunk contest and the, the other stuff or no, that's part of it. I think, but either way, I, when, what do we have the calendar here? It's the celebrity game. I don't really watch the celebrity game, the crossover. Yeah. Yeah, so I got the list for you, man. Obviously, everything starts on Friday. You got the Ruffles NBA Celebrity All-Star Game. Then we have the Rising Stars Game, which has transitioned into kind of like the little tournament, right? They have three seven-player teams, all NBA guys. And then they have a fourth team, which is created of just G League guys. And then, you know, semifinal tournament, the, those games, the target score is 40 points and the finals is 25 points. But Saturday, I still think, is the best day, right? Even though some people, you know, over the years have been falling asleep with the all the slam dunk competition. But it seems like, I don't know, every three to four years, there's one where everybody's like, they brought it back. You know, last time it was Mac McClung. The times before, the Aaron Gordon and uh, Zach Levine, you know, just dunk offs, which were crazy. But yeah, the, uh, Saturday, they got skills challenge, the three-point contest. And then they're throwing in a new wrinkle. They're doing Steph versus Sabrina Iosco. Uh, Ionosco? I might have said that wrong too, but they're going to do a three-point competition. Did you see that? They're going to go head-to-head? Yeah, I was seeing that today. That's that's interesting. And that's So that's an all-star weekend event, like official like part of the NBA yes, sir. festivities. Damn, okay. Yeah, I mean, Sabrina, last year at the 2023 WNBA All-Star Game, she set a record for both NBA and WNBA with 37 points in the final round. She just caught fire. It was ridiculous. But then we got the game on Sunday, February 18th, East versus West. It's back to that split, right? No more captains choosing teams. It's East versus West. And we have the starters that were announced already. Obviously, for the captains, they are Giannis for the East and LeBron for the West. The East squad is made out of a lot of familiar faces at this point, right? You got Giannis, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard. But you got Tyrese Halliburton, who much deserved, man, for the way that he's got this Indiana Pacers team humming this year. Unfortunately, the injury bug has caught him over the past couple of weeks. So hopefully we'll see him out there during that game. But then for the West, you got LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, SGA. I think he's been an all-star before, but he gets a nod for the starter. And then Kevin Durant. So are you surprised at any of this, Chris? I mean, it's it's just a list of guys we kind of know at this point, right? Yeah, honestly, I, I'm not surprised really by any of those selections. I just... Do think it's funny that Damian Lillard is now an East All Star uh, instead of a West All Star, and props to him. He's about to make his return to Portland. I think either tonight or tomorrow. Not one hundred percent sure, but yeah, th- this is said to be just your pretty typical All Star weekend. What we've seen in the last couple years. Uh, did I see that Mac McClung is also doing the slam dunk contest again this year? I don't think they've announced those guys yet. Like they haven't done the skill challenge or the three point contest or the slam dunk. They have announced the rising stars squads. Um, They haven't been split up yet. Right. Mm -hmm. But I got something here. They got rookies and sophomores and then the squad or the group from the G league. And Mac McClung is on that group, right? Because he's playing for the magic's affiliate. 
but a, a nice group of young players, man. If you think about it, like Paolo has be first overall pick has started to really expand his game. Uh, Walker Kessler has had some injury issues to start, but Benedict Matherin, a nice product out of University of Arizona. Keegan Murray has been helping the Kings move along as well. Jalen Williams, man, stud for the Thunder. And then some some of those guys that we talked about from the rookie squad, obviously, with Victor, Jaime Jaquez, and Derek Lively. But this is really all that's been announced so far, and I think it's just going to be a couple of days before we start to find out who's going to fill out everything else, just like the reserves for the All-Star game. Yeah, I, I I'm curious to see who they who they get to do these. I mean the the slam dunk contest. It seems like they've been adding more people that are just known to be dunkers, and it's it sucks that LeBron never did it. I wouldn't want to see him do it now at 38 years old. No. And that's probably a conversation for a roundtable or another day. But I mean, Kobe did it, Mike did it, LeBron. Why didn't you do it? I I I'm pretty sure I brought that up before. Maybe last year when we were doing. Uh, past the outlet talk about the all-star game but yeah three-point contest shooting wise i want to see grayson allen in that contest he's got to be man he's first in the league 100 percent. how could he not be there how it would be honestly robbery if if they don't but i'm, I'm excited i always like that weekend and, and those events and it's fun and um yeah let's do it i i actually hope they have both grayson allen and kd in the three-point contest there you go kd's fourth in the league from uh three-point percentage so let's see a little sons or sons action man i'm all about that all right well we'll be keeping it we'll be keeping tabs on the all-star weekend coming up obviously reserves are announced tomorrow so we're going to be really really seeing what's going to happen with that is devin booker going to get the nod is it going to be De'Aaron fox are there going to there's always some guys that don't make the list that are deserving but we're going to stay tuned with that but now is the time we got to transition into one of my favorite parts of the program, which is the outlet point guard. And we kept it around three faces that are all-star starters, right, Chris? So let me just Correct. drop it on you right now, and we'll break it down. But you know I had to start off with my man SGA, staying big inside, getting Rudy Gobert to jump and finishing with the left. This is one of my favorite plays, and what we've seen a lot from him is that pace and spin, man. He loves that spin over both shoulders. It doesn't matter. But then, like we said before, man, 2.2 assists per, uh, steals per game, leading the league, and has really just propelled this Oklahoma City Thunder's young club. And then our other guy is Tyrese Halliburton, Chris, the one that got away, right? We didn't pick it. We picked Jalen Smith over him, but... He's leading the league in assists with 12.5. His shot is so crazy, but he's still been pretty stellar from outside, 39.7% from three-point line. But he just – he finds his guys, man. And he's so scary with the basketball. You can see right there, like, guys got to commit to him, and that's where he's finding all of his other guys. And then you know we got to finish out with our hometown guy, KD, like we've said multiple times already, 45.2% from three this year, fourth in the NBA. He's doing it on both sides. He is playing heavy minutes, so sometimes we wonder if he's really putting in the effort. But, you know, he's really been just an absolute key for this Phoenix Suns squad. And we already knew this, but I was in attendance for the Chicago Bulls game to see him 
hit that shot. Basically, no it hit back of the rim, no net. Like, what a stellar finish to come back from 20-plus down. I know we're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns in a little bit, but, Chris, let's roll it back up to the top. What are you liking out of SGA this year? Yeah, man, a lot of what you highlighted there, just his ability to get deep inside as a guard is unmatched. I mean, you look at the patience there and the deliberate movements, it – it's real fundamental basketball, like at the end of the day, finishing smart at the rim. And it's funny, we mentioned Shea Gilgis a lot tonight and talking about how he's in the running for uh, several of these awards right now in, in MVP and, and whatnot. But, or I'm sorry, we were talking about Shea Gilgis for MVP, but talking about Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year. So in that clip right there that we just watched, he's going up against the guy who is right now expected to be the runaway for defensive player of the year, gets him off his feet with a pump fake and finishes at the rim. A lot of the guys I think could panic in that situation, but Shea Gilgis Alexander cool as a cucumber pump fake, even with the guy closing in on him still finishes strong with the left hand. And like you said, I think with the next clip here, Mike, his ability to use that spin move off of either shoulder showing a very comfortable handle and ability to use that footwork. Like, there's a lot of guys that travel on plays like that. And I know it's it's not easy to keep track of the two, three steps. Sometimes in the NBA, it feels like four or five steps that these guys get away with, depending on the play. But again, in a lot of ways, just a super fundamental play, super fundamental player. And there's a lot to, to like with Shea. Yeah, man, I was really watching some tape over the past couple of weeks of SGA. His patience, his outside shot and just his ability to score has been absolutely stellar over the past, I'd say, three seasons. I mean, he's continued to expand his game even more. But this little shoulder dip spin, man, has become, I'm telling you, it has become his go-to move. And he finishes a lot, a lot with the left, which I respect and am absolutely commendable. Like, it's a commendable feat, man. Like, obviously, NBA players... Most of them can all finish with both hands. But guys that are so, so confident in the ability to finish with that left, no matter what, it is a game changer, man. Because I was seeing different plays of him cutting from the baseline, finishing with that left because it was closer to the basket as well. So he's just an awesome, awesome player. You know, finally got his opportunity in Oklahoma City and has started to really take this Oklahoma City club, you know, this really young club, to that next level. And they are contenders for sure in the West. That's that's a damn fact, Chris. But w- what have you been liking out of Tyrese Halliburton to start this year, man? Are, are you crying a little bit because he's not uh, on the Suns, man? It, pain, it pains me so deeply. And it's funny that we took Jalen Smith over him and now they're teammates. We basically gave up Jalen Smith for, for nothing uh, just to get him off the books. But yeah, Halliburton, man, it's, it's again, a very fundamental player. There's a lot of fun things that he does out there. And just being a leader, I think, more than anything, it's, again, not to keep beating a dead horse, but to imagine what he could do with Devin Booker in this team. And it's just it's one of those things where, you know, it's a domino effect. If, if we got Halliburton instead, maybe XYZ would have happened. Maybe Matt Ishbia never buys the team. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of what-ifs, but... I'm happy for him. The Indiana Pacers are back on the map. They're a playoff contender in the East. 
and honestly a team that you gotta watch out for when when Hal Burton's healthy it's just a shame that he's not gonna potentially get some of the considerations and hardware that he might deserve just due to his health this season he's been out of the lineup quite a bit another one of those guys oh that's true right I mean if he was a guy who was going to stick around for the entirety of the year, lead the league in assists, I mean, you would have to consider him for first team all NBA, no matter what. I mean, there's guys who put the ball in the basket a little bit more than he does, but he impacts the game more than others. It seems like, I mean, like this play with miles Turner getting that slip on the screen. It's just as easy as Tyrese Halliburton understanding to create a little bit more opening with that one dribble to the right and then the nice, you know, no look pass over to him for that easy bucket and finish. But this is a play that we see a lot of NBA players make, right? Little quick crossover, double cross, step back into a three. His his shooting motion is so ugly, man. But at the end of the day, <laughs> it don't matter if it goes in, right? Like what we talk about with Sean Marion for years and years. Towards his time, towards the end of his career, with Steve Nash, he was one of the better three-point shooters in the league. And he had, I think, by far the ugliest shot in the NBA. But this is the best part of Tyrese Halliburton's game. It's his ability to see, his ability to drive, and his ability to create. I mean, you're going to see this in just a second. There are four Chicago Bulls who feel like they need to step up on him because he is that much of a threat. And it, and it just ends up to a lob to Jalen Smith. Seen this plenty of time with uh, Obi Toppin, who has had a nice a nice resurgence with Indiana. I don't think he got a fair shake in New York, but you know I've seen plenty of these lobs, plenty of these same plays, and you know yeah, I, I ain't mad with Indiana being being good in the East, right? It's some it's somebody new. It's a fresh face at the end of the day. Yeah, no, very, very true. And and Mike, you play that clip back against the Bulls one more time because I now I'm very I'm sorry. Watching this, I'm curious who is his teammate that grabs two fistfuls of Jalen Smith booty on the end of this play. <laughs> what are you talking about? Look, I thought it was Caruso at first, but no, he's just right. I, I think that's Halliburton. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he throws the lob that yeah, then crashes. No, I think it. you're right. Okay. <laughs> That's a that's a different way to do a good game for your teammate there, but oh. yeah, no, everything you said about Halliburton, man, that dude is a, a stud for sure. A, a little bit of an ugly shot, but I got to respect for ugly shots because you know I don't have the prettiest shot, that's for sure. I wasn't gonna say anything, Chris. You oh, said it. I'm okay. glad I didn't say it. But. <laughs> well, and then our man KD, Chris, this is the last one I got. The three clip for you. Nice finish over the top. When you're six eleven and you trust your stroke. No, ma no amount of pressure is really going to, you know, put you off from taking your shot. But Chris Paul steps up to contest a little bit. Andrew Wiggins is already there, and he just drains it right in their face. I mean, these are shots that we've seen KD make his entire career. But he's really shooting at an efficient clip from outside this season. That's why I wish he'd shot more. Like, he's got to shoot some more. And I think this has obviously always been the most underrated part of KD's game as well as his uh, ability to chase down block. I mean, with his length and his speed that he still has for a 35-year-old, I mean, he's been able to do this multiple times, contest at the rim, 
it's been a breath of fresh air to have a superstar who can really do it on both sides, man. I'm not trying to throw shade at people. I'm not throwing shade at anybody. I'm just saying like, it really shows. And when KD puts his head down and wants to work on the defensive end, it shows man. And it's been awesome. But what have you been liking from KD so far to start this season, Chris? I, I, I've loved his availability. The fact that he's able to play in a lot of games, only missed a handful. If, if not, you know, just crazy, just crazy. It's still like some days it still just doesn't feel real that Kevin Durant is on the Phoenix Suns. I, I guess you could say I grew up, I was in high school um, at this point, but Kevin Durant became one of my favorite players on the thunder. Those were some dog days for the Suns, So it was hard to have a favorite player on the Suns team at that point in time, but everything Katie was doing, and he is just one of the purest shooters, and he's doing it here in Phoenix. You know, some nights he, he'll have a down night. He'll miss some shots, but he stays in there and doesn't give up. It's the old adage or the thing you'll hear from a lot of guys that play basketball is if you're open, take the shot and believe in your shot. And, you know, they're going to start falling eventually. Everyone has a bad shooting day every once in a while. But his ability to even make those tough shots, man, you saw that four-point play late in the game in the first clip and that big two-pointer from the free throw line against the Chicago Bulls, man. Kevin Durant is the guy that you can rely on and having him on our team and being available is incredible and a great time to be a Suns fan. We're living in the moment. People like just enjoy the basketball that comes. Obviously, as fans, we get frustrated at points. You guys have watched our recaps. We've been frustrated, right? We understand that, but to have this amount of talent on one floor playing together, it's truly something special. So make sure you're enjoying it. And that's why, man, when the All-Star game comes around, I know it's not the best basketball, but it's some of the best players that you'll be able to see. So make sure you tap in. And that's what I got for Outlet Point Guard, Chris. So how about we roll into Reddit Reacts? What do you got for us this time? Oh, let's do it. I've got a slew of pictures, even a Michael Benjamin submission. Uh, we'll bust that out. But first, since we're talking about the Suns, want to start with a Suns post from the Suns Reddit. We love them. Honestly, I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be rude, but I feel like they're they're lacking on the memes lately. I'm a big meme guy. So this is kind of, I guess, in that territory. We've seen similar posts before. But, Mike, I have to show you the Bradley Beal apology form. I think we've had one of these for Chris Paul, maybe one of these for Kevin Durant. I'm not sure. But you know who we had the last one for, Chris? Who was that? DeAndre Ayton? It was for DeAndre Ayton, man. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's not a good sign. Uh, but for those of you that may be just listening on the uh, audio only platforms, it, the post says at Bradley Beal apology form. And it's two, so you can fill it out from and the date. And then your reason for behavior, there's some checkboxes here. It was, the media convinced me Reeves was better. I didn't watch actual games. I miss Landry Shamit and CP3. I don't know basketball. Chuck told me the big three didn't fit and I believed it. Or I let the r slash NBA anti-Suns agenda change my views. <laughs> And then uh, before you sign it, you have to check the box that says, I will hereby respect Bradley Beal and will not talk down on the future first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, okay. Maybe we pump the brakes on yeah, that Yeah, that, that might but, be a little bit of a stretch. But, but Mike, <laughs> would you fill out the Bradley Beal apology form here? Um, You know what? I'll fill it out, man. I'll fill it out. I've really liked what Bradley Beal has been able to do. Obviously, to start the season, 
he wasn't available. He, he didn't play. He couldn't play. He was hurt. He was struggling with the back in the three games that he did before he went out again. You could tell he wasn't the same. And since he's come back, you know, he's done his part to fit within this big three. He's had some nice explosion games scoring. Obviously, we talked about the 37-point game against the Los Angeles Lakers. I still think there's still parts where he's trying to fill in and fit his form, but I think a character shows more about a guy that I that I want for the third main guy when it comes to Bradley Beal, right? He fractures his nose and he just he finishes. Like he wants to play. He understands that he wants that he wants and needs to be out there for his guys because this thing ain't gonna work without him, folks. If you're a Phoenix Suns fan, if Bradley Beal isn't doing his job, it's not going to work. So I will sign the form. Let's I'll click on the R slash NBA anti Suns agenda. How about that? I like it. I like it. That works. I, I guess you know you might not have been influenced by it, but you could probably fall into the camp of those folks. Um, yeah, I probably fill out the form too. And again, probably because I just got so downtrodden about his injuries and everything that went into that. And so that that might have to be that might have to be my choice. Oh, Mike, I was seeing if I could uh, pull up here the next one, your submission for this uh, Reddit React. So not necessarily a Reddit React. Let's go. Let's see. Okay, I might have to come back to this one real quick. So let me let me put a pin in that. Sorry for the hype. We'll have another – let's have another Suns one. We can talk about this one real quick, and I'll try and see if I can find the a way to get this other post up. But this one uh, I thought was funny. Uh, there's been a lot of news about DeAndre Ayton in the in the last couple of weeks. He couldn't make it to a game. He was out since Christmas. He came back, and after saying he was had nothing to prove and was a max player, he put up an absolute goose egg performance. He's had a couple decent ones since then, but uh, I don't know. Like it's funny you see the the bus here, and the guy with the great view is the Suns fan, and it says traded Ayton. And then the depressed guy that just has rocks to look at is a Portland Trailblazers fan. It says traded for eight. <laughs> and with the caption of the post, Domin Nurkic. <laughs> so do, 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 do you agree with this? Did the Suns win the uh, the trade here? <sighs> Chris, I feel like it's this is the same question that people – if you're trying to answer the question if the Suns won the Kevin Durant and Mikhail Bridges trade, it's too early. It's, it's just – I think it's too early to figure that kind of that kind of thing out. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, DeAndre Ayton was a young player, right? He wasn't fitting within the system that he wanted to, and he rubbed too many people the wrong way. Like we've said before, I think Devin Booker was pretty much done with him, which made him a piece that had to leave for this team to move forward. And I really like what Yusuf Nurkic has done to start. I mean, leading the team in rebounds, as long as he can stay healthy once again, which he has, it seemed like, either than the finger or his thumb, I think, the other night. Uh, he's had some big scoring nights as well, but he really understands his role and what he has to do. He has to play big. He has to get guys involved. He has to work himself into the game or else it's just not an option for him, it seems like. And that was what rubbed DeAndre Ayton the wrong way. And like we said on one of our last live streams, like DA can't get out of, of his own way. There's comments that he doesn't need to make to put more of a spotlight on him when he's just middle of the road with his production, right? Like, 
Um, I, so right now I'm standing in the middle of the bus, but if they have, you know, some bars, I'm holding on to them because I'm still swaying both ways, right? I'm, I'm sorry to not really answer your question, Chris. I, let me tell you another person who's probably like this. It's Nico because he's a Sun <laughs> and a Trailblazers fan. So yeah. he's going through it on both ends, unfortunately. But that's where I stand with it right now. But I'm very proud of what Yusuf has been able to do for the squad so far. Yeah, and I don't think any of us expected him to play like a max player. Talking about Yusuf Nurkic, I guess, funny enough, it could also work for DeAndre Ayton because no one in Phoenix expected him to play like a max player. But Nurkic, I mean, I think with with getting him, it's almost addition by subtraction in a lot of ways where we just wanted to get rid of DeAndre Ayton and getting a little something in return, a a guy at the same position. So you're giving up a center for a center. That kind of helped. Nurkic has been serviceable. Honestly, I can't complain too much. Uh, Just can't be trusted in late game situations. And it's something that we're going to have to deal with. And we might have to go small ball and put Kevin Durant at the five when it comes down to crunch time. And I seems to be working okay for now so i i'm still on the on the sunny side of the bus the death lineup what they're calling it right oh yeah, yeah. that's fine that's fine obviously you need somebody like yusuf nurkic around for matchups with the bigger guys in the west like anthony davis and nikola Jokic. but yeah there's going to be times you'll be able to roll out that death lineup and you, it's just going to be what you need in the moment so yep well why don't we uh, look at that post about devin booker I wasn't able to find it, but I think you got it here for us, right, Mike? I got it. Let's do it. So his shoes are coming out, and the complex post here is asking, is Nike fumbling the D-Book 1 launch? They say in their post, we discussed the lukewarm reaction to the Nike Book 1 and what we think is holding the shoe back on the complex sneaker show. And there's a link, so if you want to go check that out after you finish watching past the outlet, you can go ahead and do that. But Book also commented there, and he said a lot of people feel the same way. Is that real, Mike? And you also commented, holy shit, Mike, what did you say? I mean, are we ever going to be able to get a pair? What the hell is going on? So, Chris, I'll give the people some context of what what was happening here, right? So, Complex Sneaker Show is done by a couple of guys. It's Brandon Dunn, Joe LaPuma, who does uh, the sneaker shopping, if you've ever seen it on YouTube, where he has a bunch of celebrities come to like a resale shop, and they talk about their sneaker history, and then they end up buying one. Uh, I'll give them another shout out. They had a really awesome one with Devin Booker themselves when they were out in Miami, and they had like a real cool display of the book ones. And he talked about, you know, his love for sneakers his love for shoes what happened with the you know creation of the book one and and what the plans were moving forward and that kind of stuff but then the other guy matt welty was the one who really started to talk about how he feels like nike is fumbling this launch um the press just hasn't been there you know the one thing that i think about is within the time frame that we got leaks and we we're thinking that it sounded like Nike was going to make Devin Booker a signature athlete and he was going to get his own shoe. Jason Tatum has got his first shoe. It came out and they've already announced the second one. Now, granted that is Jordan brand, but everything's under Nike. So it's like, we still haven't got an official like announcement. Like Nike is still holding on to this and there's, there still hasn't been any kind of official release date. 
Devin Booker said this. They ended up kind of going back and forth a little bit. It was all in good fun, it seemed like. Um, and Devin Booker himself said February 17th is supposed to be the first date where the first shoes come out, right? But for them to have the initial launch of these shoes in the orange colorway, only drop in Miami for only 500 pairs. What the hell is that about? How is the Phoenix market not being the first one that is tapped in for a Devin Booker signature line dropping? I mean, when has a Phoenix Suns player that is actually, you know, Kevin Durant? Yeah, he has his own shoe, but this is our guy. Like, this is our this is our Mount Rushmore guy, Chris. And for them to be like, yeah, we're going to drop 500 pairs at some little uh, shop in Miami. Like, I think that's where a lot of people have started to not be worried, but just be frustrated about what's happened with the start of this. Because we've been chomping at the bit for a signature athlete. And now it, I think I saw some mock-ups today of the first one that's going to come out. And it's some oral wood brown weird-ass colorway. All of these cool ones that he's been wearing on, on court, I would not be surprised if none of them ever get released. And they're all going to be just some random things. And, and that's where we're at with this right now, Chris. A lot of people are just disappointed with how this has started. And we still don't know officially from Nike when the hell we can buy these shoes. That that just blows my mind. Like all of that, Mike. Like I didn't hear about that. Only 500 pairs of this orange colorway dropped in Miami. What the fuck? What the fuck is that? I mean, you and I would be some of the first people in line, probably alongside thousands of other Suns fans and Devin Booker fans in Arizona alone. I just don't understand. Does Nike not want to make money? Do do they just? What are they like selling these shoes and also buying them up and then reselling them on the resale market to create that scarcity? It just, it doesn't make sense. Cause I'm not a crazy savvy business guy. I wouldn't brand myself as, but I think if you make more and sell more, you would make more money than selling a few for a high markup. I mean, these shoes, signature shoes run upwards, what 160 or more depending on who it is and when they drop. So it's not like people aren't going to shell out for these book ones. I, I, it just blows my mind, man. I, I can't believe that. And it sounds like these are, they're not going to be on the complete high end of the Nike line, which are LeBron James is the top. It's like 200 bucks. Uh, KDs are close second, I think with 180. And then you have their, the lower level with uh, Jaws. Those are about 120. These are supposedly going to be about 150. So they're right in the middle, right? At the end of the day, Nike is, the biggest shoe brand in North America, right? It, it, I don't think it's the world that there could be, you know, Adidas could swing that or New Balance. New Balance continues to grow up, but that's made in the USA. But you know what I'm saying? Like they've been around the block. They, they know what they're doing at the end of the day, but it's just been odd. And it's just, it's more so like people just want them, man. Like it's different for us in the Valley, right? It's different for us than, People who might just be sneakerheads or like to collect basketball shoes and want to try out the, the new thing, whatever, right? We have a connection with Devin Booker. He is our guy. Once we found out that he was going to have a shoe, like as soon as I knew about some kind of calendar dates, you know, I'm putting it on my thing and having 
freaking alarms blaring or if I need to go stand in line or that kind of stuff. Like that's our investment with this. So that's why a lot more people on our end have been more frustrated than ever. So that's why it is kind of surprising when these guys that are kind of on the national stage when it comes to sneakers are talking about how lukewarm it's been. So there must not be something that's really gone right at the end of the day. But it sounds like we're getting close. So I guess we just have to stop crying about it for right now. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, they could just ramp it up real fast and they could do a huge launch and it's a success and we get all the color waves we want and it's really cool. But so far, I'm I'm not impressed. Mike, why don't we just keep it pushing though? I got a few more here for our Reddit reacts so we can go out on a light note and not be all sad about not having our D-book ones yet. <laughs> um, I, so let me, I got three left. Let me choose, let me choose two. And I'm going to go with this one because we heard that the pool for the, Team USA basketball team for the Summer Olympics was announced. And we got, uh, you know, some familiar faces. A lot of people we expected. I know Draymond Green felt some kind of way of being snubbed. But it had this interesting debate be sparked of if you could choose, I'd say, maybe between the two teams, maybe just between the two starting fives, who would you have between our what could be our present-day team versus the dream team? You got there for the dream team, of course, Magic, Pippen, Jordan, Bird, and Barkley. And then up top for the present day, you have Durant, Curry, LeBron, Tatum, and Embiid, who, uh, interesting. I, I think, was he born here? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He plays for Team USA. But, uh, yeah, that's tough, man. Who would you take in this this head-to-head? Oh, see, these are always the good conversations to have that you could probably spend an entire podcast on, Chris, right? Because ah, you have to think about matching up, right? Who's going to guard who? I mean, who's going to guard Embiid from that side? Who's going to guard Kevin Durant? Is Scottie Pippen going to stay on KD? Well, then what does that leave? Charles Barkley going up against Joel Embiid? I mean, Charles Barkley is already only 6'7". Um, are you going to be able to keep up with the speed if you have Jason Tatum or if you have Larry Bird match up with Jason Tatum? like, And then LeBron, Michael, like... These are great conversations to have, and it's so impossible to really pinpoint who would beat who. But I think you just—I'm going with the dream team, man. It's—it's it's nostalgia. It's the old school, and that was a unit that was just incredible together. But at the same time, like you said, it's so hard because now in the Olympics, you're playing against the actual best players in the world, like. Back in the day, they weren't allowing professional athletes until the Dream Team, right? So it's it's a mixed bag. I'll go with the Dream Team. I'm not very confident in that pick, though, Chris. <laughs> and, and that's what's so fun, right, is because we'll never know. I mean, we'll never be able to pit these teams against each other in their prime. I mean, I'm sure people have done their simulations, their 2K games or whatnot. Uh, you make some compelling arguments, though, which kind of started to sway me towards the dream team. I mean, at face value, I just see a major height differential and level of athleticism when you talk about LeBron James and freaking Joel Embiid, what those guys can do physically. I mean, Joel Embiid's a seven-footer. Kevin Durant's basically a seven-footer. And I think the tallest guy on this dream team is what? Scotty Pippen is 6'8 or something like that. Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, regardless, I do think that the Dream Team would play better. I think they would play together better than the modern day team would. Because when you look at the five guys up top, they're all 
the main guy on their team that's scoring all the points traditionally um, and, and some criticisms of defenses, but I, I don't know. It's tough because the modern game is so much different in a lot of ways for, and, and you could argue that both ways, you know, for better or worse, but Mike, since you took the dream team, I'm going to take the the present day guys. I think, I think they might uh, squeak out that win just strictly off height. There, there you go. We covered the bases. I like it. Good work, Chris. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. So let's do one last one. Um, I got a couple options here. Let me just go with the local story here. I guess I did say we wanted to go out on a high note, but both of these are somewhat negative. So I just think when we're talking about the book ones and the releases and talked earlier about Devin Booker being a long shot for the MVP, but has had some pretty impressive performances, a pretty impressive player, but still seeming to not get that much respect nationally it's kind of crazy. I mean, you're looking at this post here and it shows that Devin Booker's played 31 games. John Morant's only played nine games. Now he's done for the season with an injury, but John Morant got more votes for the all-star game than Devin Booker did. Mike, what's going on here? I think the biggest issue when it comes to book Chris is he's more of a polarizing figure that can stretch to a negative way from like the way that he talks to officials or the way that he interacts with some players, it rubs people the wrong way, right? And people, when they see John Morant, like, yeah, he did the wrong things off the court, but they see his exuberation and it's just always like lively and everything is bouncy. Like everything is upbeat consistently with John Morant, crazy hops, that kind of stuff which tends to lead towards the people who are just casual NBA fans. They are are attracted to that, right? Like when you think about Devin Booker, you talk about lethal form when it comes to shooting, creating space, mid-range, just absolute assassin. Like sometimes his game isn't as pretty as others. Or I won't say as pretty because, man, some of his moves are pretty damn pretty, like his turnarounds and that kind of stuff, like the way he shoots the basketball. But that's for purists, right? Like some people just like the high flying. And that's not always been Devin Booker. It's not really been his game anywhere in his career. And so that's why it kind of tends to go this way, right? Once somebody has a name brand attached to them as the high flyer or that kind of thing, they become to be fan favorites like that. One guy I'll say, Chris, that reminds me of that. Vince Carter. Like, Vince Carter wasn't a pure player. Like, there were some seasons where he did expand his game on the outside, could shoot a little bit better. But, you know, the way that Devin Booker expands, he's the starting damn point guard for, for the, like, second or third time in his career, you know, on a better team this time. Like, it's just different. And, it's crazy that you bring this up too, because I was seeing top jersey sales, like the most recent updates. Devin Booker is in the top ten. He's above Kevin Durant. He's listed seven right now. Yeah. So for him to not get fan votes to get close, like at one point he wasn't even in top ten in guards in the West. That's wild to me. Yeah, it, it's it's confusing, but you do you bring up a lot of good points as far as the reasoning goes when you look at it objectively. John Moran's finding himself in the top 10 in the highlight videos way more than Devin Booker is because his performances are impressive. The numbers he puts up are, but there isn't necessarily always that play where it's a, a Devin Booker highlight. And if it is, it's usually away from the basket off of a shot. And people like the dunks. People like the high-flying action. And 
it's funny because I'm sure it's cherry picked, but even in this graphic, you see Devin Booker kind of intense in the moment and John Morant just chilling, having fun with a grin on his face. And obviously they superimpose those uh, sunglasses on him, but I, I get it. I get it. It's part of the reason why John Morant got his signature shoe before Devin Booker, despite have Devin Booker having been in the league longer and getting better year after year. It's all about marketability and exposure and for better or worse, some a lot more recently for worse, uh, John Moran's gotten a lot more attention in, in the media and in the public eye. Whereas Devin Booker, yeah, you, you can hate on him for his on the court antics and the way he complains and talks to refs and other players, but off the court, we've said it. I mean, he's a real, you know, low key guy. It seems like he just kind of does him, doesn't ever get caught in any controversies, dated a Kardashian Jenner and came out of that pretty much unscathed as well with no, oh, we saw them doing this or getting sloppy here. It was always, it's always professionalism from Devin Booker. And I think that's what we appreciate here locally. And probably what's reflecting in those jersey sales, to be honest, is people in the Arizona market buying those jerseys where all the, I think you call them the casuals who are going to go out and vote for John Morant. They like him enough to go vote for him during an all-star appearance, but they're not going to go buy a, a John Morant jersey. Book is low-key, man. He's just wearing his chucks, chilling with his dog, sprucing up his classic cars, and keeping to himself, man. We love him. He'll get there. He'll get the credit one of these days. Damn it. I know it. But, Chris, another fun one, man. Pass the outlet. Glad we brought it back this month. Definitely going to have to have another one in February, man. Got March Madness right around the corner. Obviously, the trade deadline is just days away at this point we'll see if the phoenix suns make any moves but before we call it a night you got anything else to share with the people man we've covered it all but there's so much more to come like you said march madness the nba season in full swing in the second half leading up to the playoffs definitely agree we're gonna have to do some more past the outlets this is primetime basketball season and guys like mike said earlier Make sure you enter into our ticket giveaway so you can go see the Suns and Lakers with a friend, family member, girlfriend, wife, boyfriend, whatever. Make sure you enter. And then also check out the NBA All-Star Weekend, man. It's a lot of fun. Not just the game itself. Honestly, sometimes the other stuff is more fun than the actual game. So you got Friday, Saturday, and Sunday festivities. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it soon. Yeah, man. I mean, I'd say that the celebrity game is slept on sometimes. There's been some good celebrities out there who can really hoop. So make sure you guys are tapping in. But appreciate you all, y'all. Like we always say, make sure you like and subscribe. Follow us at AZ underscore BSP on all socials. If you're just joining us, you made it all the way to through the end or you're listening on playback. Man, we love y'all. But this was past the outlet episode 16. I'm Michael Benjamin. That's Chris Patrick. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. One, two, three, four. Ball is life, plain and simple. You know, ask any baller. If, if you know, you know. The game has changed, but it's still the same. If you want it, go get it. Shazam. The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. The shot on Elo. The Bulls win! They win it! Mike, you're honestly telling me that you're top five. Yeah. Top five of all time. No question about it. Booker, this is for the win. Got it. Wow. The ruling on the floor is made basket.
You know, one thing's for sure. Over at Valley Sports Plug, you're never gonna catch us slipping. With the first overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select. Three, two, one.